Welcome to Money Stories with LDT. I'm Linda Davis-Taylor, and this is Building Your Business from the Ground Up with Bola Sukumbi. As women, we are extremely powerful. We are capable of doing so much more than we get credit for. And we just need the knowledge, the backing, the confidence. Today on Money Stories, we're joined by Bola Sokunbi, a certified financial education instructor, money expert, best-selling author, and founder of Clever Girl Finance, one of the top personal finance content and media platforms for women in the United States. The platform is dedicated to helping its audiences make the best financial decisions for their current and future selves. Bola is also the host of her own podcast titled, The Clever Girls Know Podcast. The series offers an insightful look at how to ditch debt, save money, and build real wealth. Get ready to listen to a wonderful conversation with an inspiring and successful financial educator. I'm sure today's insights will offer you great advice into how to start your own business as Bola shares her advice, experiences, and resourcefulness in starting and running a lucrative enterprise. Bola Sukumbi, welcome to Money Stories this morning. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. It is great to have you as part of this conversation. I can't imagine anyone more qualified and more interesting to hear from on this amazing, important topic of financial education. And obviously, you are dedicating your professional energies to this as the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance. You're an amazing author and and spokesperson yourself. And we're going to get into some of your work a little bit later in the conversation. But before we dive into your work experiences, I was hoping we could start with hearing a little bit more about your personal story, because I think all of us are really interested in understanding how we learn about money from a young age. You've shared, in fact, publicly about watching your own mom learn, start her own business, and you were right there by her side. So I was just wondering if we could start by you making some comments about how those experiences affected your interest in personal finance. Yes, absolutely. So like you said, I got to watch my mom go from being, you know, a young high school <laughs> degree holder to getting her undergrad and masters and then starting her own businesses. And you know, my mother got married very young. She was 19 years old. She married um, my dad who was older than her mm-hmm. and she didn't have a college education and you know, their marriage was going to be based on her being a stay-at-home mom, raising, you know, her four children. But as time progressed, my mom started to see things happening in her guest community of friends that she just wasn't happy about. Her friends were getting divorced or unfortunately losing spouses, and they just had no idea of the family finances. And they were stuck in a very difficult place because they had no money and no options. And my mom just never wanted to find herself in that situation. And she also wanted to be able to have some sort of contribution to our family finances. So she decided that she was going to go back to school and get her college degree and get a master's degree. And she eventually started working in investment banking and started running different businesses and became a side hustle queen. So watching my mother go through that transition in her life and just seeing her 
go after what she wanted in order to be able to stand her, her, her own two feet financially definitely set the stage for me to start thinking about money and start thinking about myself being financially independent, regardless of who I married or who I did not marry. Right. So your education started literally on an experiential <laughs> basis from the time yeah. you have any memories, I'm sure. Yes, I got to see my mom do, that, do a lot of things. Well, that's a powerful story that your mom figured out probably based on her own smarts and and savvy. Do you recall during that time hearing your parents together engage in conversations about about money and how they were both feeling about the challenges and the changes that, you know, that your mom was taking on? So the conversations are interesting because my dad was not initially a fan uh, <laughs> of her changing, <laughs> you know, the, the household and yeah. going to work and figuring out about childcare and things like that. So there were arguments here and there, um, disagreements, but there were also conversations about, you know, the things that they wanted to do. So we, you know, we got to hear some of that, but the outcome was, you know, my parents always were very very consistent with telling us to save. My dad was very consistent with telling me that I never wanted to be a liability on anybody, especially not a man. I needed to be able to stand on my own two feet. My mom was very consistent in telling me to have my own money, especially as a woman. Um, and so I got to see them navigate through financial right. challenges and arguments, but at the same time, they still impressed upon us as kids, the value of saving money and having, you know, your own money. So while they had their principles, the actual reality sometimes of doing it is challenging, right? Yes. <laughs> so I just wonder, then you go on to take all of that into your own life and you start Clever Girl Finance with the intent not only to obviously have a business for yourself, but to support and encourage other women as they navigate these these tough things. So I know it's been an amazing journey as you as you talk with us today. What's top of mind in terms of what you've learned on this journey from conversations and work with so many other people? <laughs> I mean, I've learned so many things. I learned that, you know, as women, we are extremely powerful. We are capable of doing so much more than we get credit for. Mm -hmm. And we just need the knowledge, the backing, the confidence. I've talked to so many women who tell themselves that they're bad with money. When I look at the progress that they've made, even despite the mistakes, they've done amazing, but we're not giving ourselves enough credit. So that's, you know, on this journey, meeting women, I've learned that. And also, you know, aside from being a financial educator, I'm also a businesswoman, you know, I'm yes. a businesswoman who educates. Yes. And there are many, many challenges that come with building business. There is so much I had, I've had to learn in addition to, you know, being a financial educator, like marketing and, you know. So you're, you know, you're, you're actually saying the same thing that you're, you're living the same thing <laughs> that we all say to each other. Pick up on a couple of your words. You mentioned, or you kind of described two aspects of this, the confidence and the competence. Yes. So you're really trying to provide both of those things with your work to exactly. women. Exactly, exactly. But at the same time, as you said, you had to start this business as a founder and no business entity runs without its own financial wherewithal. And I think this would be very powerful to our leaders, even as an educator yourself, 
you have had to regroup on that financial competence and confidence and being a business founder, encouraging yourself to keep at it? Yes, absolutely. Right. There's your personal finances and then there's also your right. business finances and they're two completely different things, being able to manage them and navigate them. And there's also the, you know, having a business, as you probably know, is like having another, having a child, having a baby. <laughs> and it stays top of mind all the time. And you're constantly thinking about this. And also businesses, you know, can be very capital intensive, right? Yes. And if you're trying to bootstrap a business and you're also thinking about, well, how do I generate streams of revenue? How do I bring income in? How do I make sure I'm sticking to my business budget? So there's a lot of things to think about in addition to educating women. <laughs> in your own business life today, has it gotten any easier or do you find that there are the same challenges in getting that capital. I'm just interested in your in your current experience for women. Yeah. So as the business has grown, it has gotten easier because we've fine-tuned revenue generation streams. You know, we kind of know where we're focusing on, where we're focused on building. But in the early stages, obviously we didn't know what we didn't know. <laughs> we right. had to figure out right. like who was our ideal audience, who was that ideal that you know, ideal person we're talking to that fits into, you know, our mission, our values. And in our community with Clever Girl Finance, there are many women who want to start businesses. I feel like we're in this generation of the side hustle yes. um, where people are looking for more flexibility, especially, you know, moms who have kids. Yes. They don't have, they can't go sit in an office from nine to five because they have this other, you know, life going on with their kids and with their families. And so definitely, you know, the beginning stages of a business and figuring out that revenue and even saving money to start the business is a challenge for many women and something that I definitely, you know, experienced like the, the first uh, few months of Clever Girl Finance, there was no revenue coming in and it was testing, testing, consistently testing. And so I think when it comes to generating capital in your business, um, especially given small businesses, like micro businesses like this, where we can't just go get a loan and we can't just right. a venture capitalist firm and get money. Um, it's really important to test and figure out those revenue streams to start bringing money in and then start to build upon them. Because as you say, it seems that um, businesses and entrepreneurial opportunities are, are going to be a path for women in the future. Yes, just as they have been for you and just as your mom figured out those years ago to herself. So maybe finance education, back to thinking about girls and the, the girls that we're, we're both, I know, interested in encouraging. Where do you see the biggest gaps today? There's You're working on it. Other, other people you and I both know are working on this area. But today, as you talk to young girls, where are the biggest gaps I think the biggest gap is the fact that we, they're not getting the conversation, the discussion around money. They're not, there's not enough conversation with them, especially around the basics. So there's lots of assumptions about what people should know about money. You should know what a budget is. You should know what a stock is, right? You should know all these basics. But then the question then becomes, well, who is teaching this, right? Because if we're right. not talking about it to our kids at home and it's not really being taught in school, how do we expect these young girls to know what these things are? So I think that's where the gap is. It's the, it's the informational gap. You know, and when you think about traditional structures, in the past, like looking at our moms and our, our grandmothers, they come from a space where, you know, 
if you think about that traditional setting, the guys, the fathers have pulled their sons aside to talk about money and business. The mothers will pass down, you know, homemaking and recipe skills. In today's world, that has completely changed because there's so many women who are now sole household earners, breadwinners, single moms. And we now have to take control of our finances and be able to make those decisions for ourselves. And um, talk with our younger generations. Exactly, exactly. So let me put you on the spot. Then. <laughs> I, I think you have children. Am yes. I right? Yes. So I don't know how old they are, but can you uh, have you started, or can you imagine how you're going to take your own medicine here and do that in your own, with your own kids? Yeah, so I have six-year-old twins and I've actually started talking to them about money. And it's so interesting because this is obviously my first time teaching small kids sure. about money. And it's been it's been quite the experience, a learning experience for myself as well. So we do simple things like, you know, going to the grocery store together and trying to figure out how to fit all our groceries into our grocery budget. And then more recently, now that, you know, they've turned six, I've been teaching them the concept of ownership versus mm. consumption. So they love specific brands like Barbie and Hot Wheels. Sure. And so I teach them, well, as opposed to if you get a little bit of money, like an aunt or a grandma gives you 20 bucks or something, and my husband and I give them uh, money for an account every month, um, as opposed to just thinking about what toys you can buy, um, we can actually go and buy stock in Mattel that makes for yeah. Hot Wheels. And they're starting to get that concept. Um, even though the other day my daughter was like, well, Mom, we bought stock in Dunkin' Donuts because I like donuts, but does that mean because I own it, I have to go and work there now? And I was oh, like, that's that's a great question, though. What yeah. I mean, she's getting it exactly? Yeah, Sorry to understand it. Yes. Yeah, and the fact that you just you just described that you have a money conversation, a dialogue going with her that's age appropriate, you know, concepts that are uh, relatable, you know, to them at their age. So that's really probably a tip that, or a lesson that you share in your own financial education business, how to actually take those practical steps. Because I think that that's what we don't know, like, okay, I got the theory, but exactly what do I do with it? Yes. And I always encourage people because many people are in the space where they're pursuing financial wellness. They're paying off debt. They're trying to save. And they will sometimes tell themselves, well, I'm not equipped to talk to my children about money. But I always tell them, yes, you are. You can involve them in the process of budgeting, in the process of planning your savings, you know, in the process of setting up, you know, your plans each month. That's a great learning lesson. As you learn, you teach your kids and it becomes like this sharing experience between, you know, your family. So once you become as you have, you know, you've you've written your wonderful book, you have your business, I'm imagining that your listeners and your readers think Bola's got it all figured out. I mean, she doesn't make any mistakes. There's, you know, she's an expert. Would you be willing to share with us a memory of anything that you would consider a, you know, I won't say a mistake about money, but something you might do differently next time? Oh my God, I've I make mistakes all the time, you know, like Every day mistakes happen. There's nobody that's above, you know, or beyond mistakes, even the wealthiest people in the world. So don't think that about me. Um, you know, building wealth, saving money, starting my business. I've made so many mistakes. The most popular mistake I share, um, <laughs> amongst the many I have is, you know, getting to that point when I was, 
you know, I had saved a, a good amount of money coming out of college. I had saved over a hundred thousand dollars. Wow. And then I, I got this idea that I deserved a designer handbag. And I, I went and I bought one really expensive handbag. And then I was like, Oh, you know what? I just, I deserve another one. And oh. <laughs> I got to this point where I was like, I got comfortable. I have money. I've saved money in the bank. And I started reducing how much I was saving every few months to go buy another handbag. And I built this incredible handbag collection. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> and then, you know, at that same time, ironically, I started learning about investing outside of retirement savings and expanding like what I was doing with my investments. And I remember at the time that if I had taken what I had spent on one handbag and bought Amazon stock, I would have had like 300% in growth over the time period. And so um, I got myself together really quickly and I put those handbags for sale, <laughs> got my money back and put them in the in tours investments. <laughs> that's, that's pretty phenomenal that you got the money back. <laughs> I know, yes. <laughs> that's not always the case. <laughs> that's not always the case. But that's a great reminder in that we are human. And we are going to have things that we want to buy. And that's okay, right? I mean, we, it's not about depriving ourselves. But you put the two things together, I think that sometimes are so important that it's not all saving. While saving is crucial, it's also investing well, yes. Yes. right? Yes. And uh, when you mentioned financial education, do you have any advice for those of us who are in the financial services business about how we can encourage education on investing anything come to mind and be critical of us we, we we've got a lot to learn on the financial advice side of actually encouraging this in reasonable ways you know given my personal experience in the past with financial advisors you know planners which is a male dominated space i've many times felt that i'm i'm going into a business transaction hmm. that it's more about my money and less about me and you know, sometimes I've, I've talked to women who also feel that way and they shy away from the investment advisor or the financial planner's office because they don't feel comfortable that it's about them or that their needs are being put first or that even their emotions are considered. And I've had some really negative experiences with financial planners, questions like, where did you get this money? Where is your husband? What does your husband wow. think? That's, that's think, such a lesson. I mean, yes. about important for us all to hear. I have two daughters too. And one of the things they, they say about certain conversations about this topic is, it's not helpful for the conversations to feel judgmental. Yes. And when I was hearing that, I thought, oh my goodness, this, this feels judgmental. And that's not going to get us get anybody where we need to go. Yes. The conversation. It's very much relationship building and considering that you want to put your, you know, that client, that person's needs ahead of yours. And also having an open mind to understand that not everyone who comes to sit in a financial advisor's chair is exactly the same as you. Exactly. You know, and so being able to relate or trying your best to relate and understand their perspective and their objectives, which might be different from the standard, but still being able to cater to their needs is really important. Well, hopefully, you know, maybe there's a way uh, as we continue to collaborate to continue to learn from women like you who talk to so many women who actually are ready and interested to taking this and making it a part of their lives, but not yet feeling the pathway is there exactly. from the actual financial industry. So it's that, again, as you say, how to get the education into the bigger financial system so that it's not so transactional. You know, as you 
talk with people about money, I'm sure you're asked about it all the time, even from people that you're, you may not know very well yet. How do you start that conversation when someone says, <laughs> oh, you know, Bola, you're a financial expert. What are some icebreaker questions that might that might get the dialogue going productively, because I know that's what we all think is going to help. Yeah. So, you know, one great icebreaker that I've found is that everybody has dreams or goals or ambitions, right? A combination of all these different things. And just simply asking someone, where do you want to be in the next year, in the next five years, is a great way to start the conversation, because that's something them giving you their insights and their thoughts on where they're trying to get to um, is something that you can always tie back to the financial perspective because for the most part, right, money is what allows you to create those options for yourself, right? Absolutely. You want to travel, well, you have to save for it. You want to buy a home. You want to, you know, create, build a school or give back to, you know, less privileged. This is, these are all things that tie back to the financial aspect. And so with every goal, with every dream, with every ambition, right, you know, you can always then start to lead it back to, okay, let's talk about what you need to be saving. But just asking people about their goals, their ambitions, their dreams is a great um, icebreaker. Another one that is a lot of fun, especially with younger people, is asking them, well, if I handed you, if I handed you $1 million with no obligations, mm-hmm. taxes paid on it already, what would you do? And then they start indirectly starting to start to share with you their dreams. Oh, I would buy a house. Oh, I'd travel. I'll take my parents here. I'd pay off my student loans like you know those are all things that again you can tie back to right natural conversation hearing you say that you talk to so many people and what they want is impact whether it's beginning with very on very personal practical level but then beyond that and you're giving us a very important and powerful and tangible lesson that we can't really have the impact we want in our personal lives in our communities our families or world beyond unless we have access to financial resources and know what to do with them, right? Very, very, very powerful. Well, as we think about this conversation today and thinking about where you are with your your business, tell us a little bit more about your work and how we can learn about it, how we can bring you into our lives and, and make sure you're our, one of our resources. Yeah, so Clever Girl Finance is an online financial education and empowerment platform for women. We cover a ton of different topics as it relates to different transitions that women go through. We have courses, videos, a podcast, and we also have a super exciting and engaging social community. So you can learn more about us on clevergirlfinance.com. And you can also follow us on Instagram or YouTube at clevergirlfinance. Well, that is great. Well, I want to thank you, Bola, so much for this conversation today. And importantly, thank your mom for all those lessons that she taught you and your dad for encouraging you to be the amazing, powerful woman that you are and just for contributing so much to this dialogue in the world. I know that all of us are enriched to know you and we look forward to getting more involved with you and your company and hearing and seeing everything you do next. So thank you very much. And thank you for this opportunity. Great. Take care now. Bye. Want more money stories? Check out my Instagram at Linda Davis Taylor underscore LDT to learn more about the incredible lineup of women on our podcast and share your own money story. Until next time.